HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is sponsored by Cane Vineyard and Winery. For more information, go to cane5.com. Each time a good cook dies without passing down recipes, family dishes become suddenly lost forever. We'll be talking about preserving the past and a lot more today on A Taste of the Past. Hi, I'm Linda Palaccio, your host, and you are listening to A Taste of the Past here on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. And I'd like to remind you that if you love listening to these shows, mine, of course, (laughs) but all the other shows we have on our network, please go to the website and click on the Donate button. We can use your help. If you like what you hear, keep it alive, okay? Well... You know, it always happens that, unfortunately, that that someone in the family dies who you remember having made a wonderful particular dish, a pie, a cake, a, a, a casserole, and unfortunately, too late, you say, gee, I should have gotten that recipe, and you forgot to write it down. These things are a shame because it's, it's really part of our, our heritage and... Uh, Preserving the past can sometimes only be done by, by oral histories and, and getting these people to, to commit things down in writing. And, uh, one, and I know that recently I had a great aunt die just a couple of weeks ago, and both she was um, a Polish woman well into her mid-90s, and both my older brother and I said at the same time, oh, there goes the recipe for her sausage. She made the most incredible Polish sausage. Yes, you can buy Polish sausage anywhere, but not like Aunt Phyllis's. That just had, whether it was you know her hands working it or the particular spices that she put in, that extra pinch of pepper, it was special. And we made the mistake of not asking her for her recipe. It's gone, gone forever. Well, I have with me today a woman who is really working to preserve the past, particularly in her family and in her, the tradition of cultural heritage. And that is Donna Pierce. Donna is a Chicago-based contributing editor for Upscale Magazine and the former assistant food editor and test kitchen director for the Chicago Tribune. She has 
recently started, not recently, it's been several years, she uh, has gotten into food writing and has a website, a wonderful website called Black America Cooks and a blog and skilletdiaries.com where she really does uh, capture some of these recipes from people who she wants to preserve and her whole her whole um, reason for doing this is to remember preserve and pass down the flavors of home as she says and i welcome her today welcome donna thanks linda it's great to be here you know in um it, it was <laughs> difficult to find a beginning because i did think of my aunt phyllis and it was yes. you know it really did you know make me pause because it was something that actually just recently happened and you have this wonderful quote in the beginning of your skillet diaries from your grandmother. I don't know. Do you have that at hand that you can read it to us? Oh, I think I the one that um, the about, cookbook. About um, the cookbooks, yes. I have it in front of me if you want me to read it. But would you read it? Would sure. You read it? I, I didn't All right. This is, in, this is in the heading of Donna's web, uh, the skillet <laughs> diaries that she writes of memories of, of recipes. Look inside old family cookbooks and you'll find hopes, dreams, and plans by way of notes, invitations, love letters, pressed flowers, photographs. They're much more than recipe collections, much more. And that was from your grandmother, right? Right, right. So and it's that true. And Skillet Diaries, that's what she referred to when she talked about um, the cookbooks that were the old ones that were collected. Oh, so she was the one who started, that she called her collection Skillet Diary. She would refer to it as Skillet Diaries as much more than just recipes. She referred to recipes as Skillet Diaries. That's terrific. Um, and so that's what, after I had started uh, Black America Cooks, and I wanted to expand it, that's what I kept thinking about. And, and um, I have her picture on the front of that website, uh, of Skillet Diaries website, mm-hmm. just turned to it, that she is my inspiration because she's the, the woman who taught, she taught me to cook when I was a little girl. She and my mother, but she took the time and um, and really treasured those time, that time together to teach me what she called her her recipe secret. Well, that I am so uh, you're so lucky. I'm so glad that you you know that you had that experience and that you did get her right. recipes written down because so often we do that. The quote that I said: "Each time a good cook dies, you have that uh, down." I got that right. from your website. Each time a good cook well, dies without passing down the recipes, right? And actually, you know, it's, it's, it happens to, uh, that was one of the things that I started to really, to focus on, uh, the importance, the real importance of this is when my mother passed away. Because my grandmother had taught me the roles and taught me lots of things, but we would see her, she lived with us when I was, um, in, uh, I think about second or third grade for a year, but she was in, on the Gulf Coast in Mobile, Alabama, and I was in Missouri. And we would see her on holidays and vacations and, and all of that. My mother, I was the one, there were three, uh, my mother had three daughters and one son, and I was the child who loved to be in the kitchen. So mm-hmm. I would be at her, you know, and I cooked a lot of things with her. But, um, and, and really learned her secrets. There was, there was one that was an eggplant fritter that um, I later got from my aunt. But when she passed away in March of uh, 2003, um, that Christmas came around, and, and we were all still grieving and missing her so much because she was just an amazing woman. And my dad said, well, honey, you're going to make the pralines for all of us, right? And I said, oh, no. 
because I'd made them with her, but I had never taken the time to really capture it and really write it down mm-hmm. and really time it and really go behind and measure. I just knew the, the basic part of it. So that year, we did not have her creamy, buttery, wonderful pralines. But then we had, she had a friend who had uh, gone to college with her who had contacted me and said, you know, by the way, we make the same ones. We make them together. And I, learned, <laughs> I got to learn the recipe. And now I make them and send them to everybody. Oh, that's <laughs> terrific. Um, well, preserving the past is, you know, there are many ways to do it. And uh, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, was it? I think it was yesterday, the day before, last week, um, a a young woman, um, uh, Susan Lutz, wrote a wonderful piece in Zester, uh, the online uh, magazine, right. food magazine, and it wasn't so much about preserving the recipes, but uh, she said you can't bring your grandma back, but you can bring her back into your kitchen, and she was talking about using her well-seasoned cast iron skillet for her cooking. And I have my grandmother's skillet, and I had her hand mixer. Uh-huh. She had, at the very end of her life, she had a hand mixer that I, um, green, avocado green. <laughs> oh, yes. All I, I look at it, and I have her measuring spoon. Oh, that's and my great. Mother, I collect measuring spoons, so I ha- and I collect them from people I love. So I have my mother's measuring spoons. Well, and it, because when my mother passed away, too, the, the only thing I really wanted was her sifter, her old flour sifter. It had, yes. too, the wooden handle that was painted at kind of a, a yes. robin's egg blue. Because I learned, I learned to bake with that sifter, right. and it meant so much to me. Every time I take it out, I think of her. And it's exactly. true; you, these these items, even if it's not a recipe so much, but if it can be, you know, a piece of equipment that just every time you take it out, then I think you cook a little differently. You know, I exactly. think with care. I- and I've heard from so many people that uh, that share their stories and share their recipes, how much that really, br- when they go into the kitchen, that's when they go back and, and those people are with them in the kitchen. You're not alone in the kitchen when you have all of these memories and all. And even when you're cooking something that's not part of the repertoire of your grandmother or your mom or whatever, but that kitchen is something that, that you should you learn to love from this. That's right. Gives it a little more soul, just a little more yeah, soul. Exactly. And it's so true you how you have said in in talk you were at the cookbook conference in New York City recently and right. and um, you expanded upon this uh, the idea of the cookbooks <laughs> when you open a cookbook and what falls out. I mean it's wonderful what falls out of oh. all cookbooks. <laughs> I used to um I I now I'm in Chicago and I'm in a there are not a lot of garage sales near me downtown in Chicago. I go to them whenever I can, or book sales. I go to the book sales. But whenever you buy a, um, an old book at a, a, a book sale or a garage sale or whatever, and it's been well used, and those are the ones. I had to make a decision early on in collecting books. Did, did I want them that were going to gain value, or did I want them to save, or did I want them that I was going to work with? Yeah. And I was going to study, and I was going to go back to. So I, I go for the tattered old books that somebody cooked with. And whenever you find that, you can also you can find their favorite recipes because they're splotched usually. Right. And you can find, and there's always. I don't think I've ever had an occasion, uh, except for one bookstore in town where they take all that stuff out, where you don't find some wonderful little memento that has nothing to do with cooking that's tucked into the cookbook. Right, and it says so much about the time and about about the place. It really is interesting. Well, your speaking of mothers, your mother was not always so keen on you becoming a food writer, was she? That, no, she wasn't. It's so funny. My, I, my mom is, was uh, an amazing person, and she um, was just a real, um, 
she, she and my father both. My dad, uh, they just did a documentary about my dad in, in Missouri at the university. Uh, they were both really active in education, and, and uh, my mom was active in education and women's rights and all of these things. She went back to school and got her Ph.D. at 50, and she was, uh, she raised, we had hot meals every day growing up, but she was just this go-getter woman. She was on the board of all of these things. She was on the board of regents of colleges, and she was just an amazing woman that, all of us, my, her, her daughters, we remind ourselves we can't do all of that. Mom did it, but we're not going to try to do that. But when I decided that I wanted to, to uh, I was a journalist, and I wrote about business, and I spent a year in Europe, and uh, when I came back and I knew I wanted to make that transition into writing only about food or really focusing on food, and, and I announced it to my mom. She was devastated, and she thought that was, it was, it was right at the time there was a transition, right about 19... 96, when uh, there were a lot of people that had been home ec people or whatever before that were writing it, especially where I was. And, and so when I, um, she said, no, 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 you've got to do something really important. And um, I, 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 but I, that was one thing, you know, they say when you know you have to do something is when you can't stop. And I could not, even with my mother's pressure, I had, I knew I had to write about food. Well, you were, um, and you were at a Greenbrier uh, food writing conference when Julia Child was still alive, right? And Exactly. I took, and I, I convinced mom to go with me to this Greenbrier conference. And uh, in fact, that's where... Um, uh, Jessica Harris and I were the only two African Americans, I think, there at the conference, and Julia Child spoke, and I came out of one of the sessions, and um, my mom was sitting there giving Julia Child, like, her recipe for gumbo, and <laughs> just chatting away and thoroughly enjoying it, and she'd had massages that day, and she'd gone to a culinary store, and she'd done, and then we went back to the room that night, and she said, you know, I see why you like this so much. I understand, and from then on, she was totally, she threw into it. She sent me recipes. She would send me, she would tell me about cooks she saw on TV. She would do all of these things, and she, she said, I totally get it. Well, I think people are realizing more, as your mother, you had quoted your mother saying that that recipes are more than about how to cook. They're about culture and history. Right. And exactly. I think people, in particularly in the field of anthropology, are realizing this more and more. I mean, how do you find out about a group of people, but you go through the food? Food is a way exactly. to get through to, to cultures, different cultures around the world. Well, she also said that she wanted to help you in in um, kind of recreating an African American heritage, which we, as we know, is is lost because there just really aren't bo- a lot of books um, documenting this. And through recipes, you have you been able to to sort of help the research in that. Well, we know what's so interesting is that um, under one big blanket. Uh, there's so many regional kinds of variances, and that's what I'm finding so fascinating, all the different cultural and regional kinds of things. And African-Americans in the diaspora, when people that, who you know, is, is at a time when um, enslaved African-Americans uh, developed some of the recipes and, and ate some of the foods and some of the dishes that were, um, that ranged all the way from, um, the dishes that were the throwaway kinds of foods to the wonderful, elegant dishes in the plantations. And you see the hand of Africa in all of it, of that African influence. And then at the time when when people moved to other parts of the country and uh, uh, how things kind of changed that way. I was the first generation. My parents both grew up in, 
in Mobile, and I was, the, and they moved to uh, Missouri when I was young to um, uh, both be uh, educators, to be teachers and a psychologist and all of this. And so when I grew up, I was I clung to everything about my grandmother's uh, and my parents' past and the Creole food that they loved, and they loved it so much. You know, we would wait. My grandmother would come to visit us, my paternal grandmother, my dad's mom. They would come on the train to visit us in Missouri, and my grandmother would bring a box packed with dry ice with seafood because at the time I was growing up, we could not find fabulous, great seafood Hmm. in Columbia, Missouri, where the University of Missouri is. We, We found really awful things. And so she would come up with this giant box, and my mother would be so excited. And then she would cook some and free some and give some to friends and all of this, but, you know, that was, but that was, so my um, generation who grew up in the Midwest of families that came from the South is different from someone who perhaps remained in the South or someone who came up and and grew up in New York with maybe more um, ingredients available, Mm -hmm. or I have friends who grew up whose family came from Mobile who, who moved to Los Angeles and San Francisco. I went to, I visited, actually it was my aunt's funeral in Sacramento and met quite a few people who had come to Sacramento and they were giving me their recipes for gumbo, which you could just see were a generation removed from from the gumbo that, that I learned at my grandmother's side. And yet this was that taste that was, um, uh, you know, for them very, very important and it's what had been passed down. So, all that to say, there's so many regional interpretations and right. regional specialties and all of that that it's that's what's so fascinating. That's right. Everything adapted to where people end up, and yeah. and then it becomes and the a, ingredients, right? And and you know, it's interesting. Um, I was just having a discussion with a friend earlier about authenticity, and I do right. focus on this on, on a lot of my shows. And what you know, what makes a recipe authentic? Well, just because they had to adapt because of the ingredients and 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 the style, so the dish became a little bit different. Doesn't mean it's any less authentic to that family. So it's authentic. In fact, I've been playing with that a lot myself, and that is cooking from. I'm doing a lot, a lot, a lot of testing and cooking right now, and so I just when I have things that are left uh, overs and ingredients that are left over, and understanding, you know, really understanding bread pudding, um, that they're all different kinds based on the bread you have, the fruit you have, the whatever else, and mm-hmm. that a good cook who's used to making it all the time. I made it like every day for two weeks. And then you throw in these little distinctions. And That's right. just because your grandmother did it doesn't make it authentic. It just means that maybe she cooked, she had a lot of stewed apples. That's know? right. That's right. <laughs> or, or raisins, or she liked them or didn't like them. And it's, I love that. <laughs> yes, that's and, true. And, you know, I've been using her roll recipe to make pizzas. And I'm making fabulous pizza that my um, son, who is really a snob about pizza, is saying, this is great. <laughs> and it's with a southern yeast bread roll recipe. Well, and that's so, not, that's not uh, as, so different. Crust, right? But, yeah. yeah. So all of these things, I'm really understanding how, these, how uh, that authentic really is a point of view. <laughs> right. Well, we're going to continue to talk about this and a lot more when we come back after a short break.
Wine Winery are proud to support Heritage Radio Network and the growing movement to change the way we eat and think about our planet. For more information, go to keep5.com. back here on A Taste of the Past, talking about preserving the past, preserving the past through recipes, cookbooks, memories, and we're talking with Donna Pierce. I also have in the studio a friend of mine, a, ch- a friend from childhood, a friend from high school, actually, um, many years ago. And before the show, I was telling her what the show was going to be about, and her name is Vicki Hannigan. Vicki, welcome. Thank you. And she, I was asking her, she is of Greek and German background, and asked her if there was anything in her family that she wished she had gotten the recipe for. And you did say there was a dish, right? Yes, the dish was called rice flesh. Rice flesh. Rice flesh. And um, all we can remember is that my grandmother cooked a mean dish of rice flesh on the stove and lots of paprika in it. None of us have a recipe for it, but we'd love to. <laughs> well, you can find it online, but you said it just wasn't the it's same just as your not, family. Not, no, not the same. <laughs> right. Well, see, that's the problem. It's never the same as the family recipe you remember, right? Well, Donna... But, you know, I think, I think with the Internet now, that's what's so wonderful with all of the different websites and the people sharing. Right. I, you just keep trying because you're not, you're gonna, you may be surprised. There's so many recipes that are out. You may be surprised if one comes along that triggers something. Thank you. I... And when you, that. Yeah, when you speak of the Greek and German background and all the... That's what Skillet Diaries came about, because I had started with blackamericacooks.com, um, and that was so important to me, because I wanted to record that cultural part that I felt I really I wanted to get recipes and, um, and kind of highlight all the special chefs and cookbooks and cooks and all of that. And then I realized everybody, every ethnic... Uh, group, every culture has grandmother's recipes that need to be treasured and, and that are treasured and need to be saved. And that's where I decided to broaden it and make skilletdiaries.com for every uh, cultural group. It's, and and it's, of, it is such a wonderful title and such a wonderful way of, of um, incorporating those, not just recipes, but the memories too, the memories in the, right. in the background. So I, I encourage your listeners to, to come on and to take a look at it, to sign and maybe share a recipe. We're going to do something for uh, Mother's Day about just paying tribute to a family cook. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. So you yeah. can go on to skilletdiaries.com and, and enter your, right. own, uh, your own memory. Right, recipe. Just register for the site and enter a memory and a, and a photograph if you'd like. Oh, that's right. wonderful. In your um, Black History, uh, Black America Cooks, um, right. I, you, or was it, maybe it's on Skillet Diaries, you do a, a series of salutes, um, and you have sal- done salutes to yes. Leah Chase and Edna Lewis, yes. B. Smith, uh, Dory Sant, John Pinderhughes, you just did, uh, Bryant yes. Terry, and who's got a brand new book out, The Inspired Vegan. Yes. Um, are now these are uh, short little salutes that you just write right. about them. What about oral histories of those who are still with us? 
how about doing some oral histories with these people? I think that oral histories are so fabulous and so wonderful. And you know what? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a forgotten art, too. I mean, some universities now are the Southern Foodways. Actually, you were involved with Southern Foodways for a long time. Yes, I was on the board. Uh Right. They've got a, they have a whole new program out with oral histories. And I know that. um, Wonderful oral histories. Yeah. And I just think that that is something for people to not be intimidated and think that, oh my goodness, I have to be associated with the university or with a, you know, large right. organization just get just get out your tape recorder and talk to grandma you know that's exactly and in fact that's what i've got um, quite a few that's what i'm putting on next with the uh, skillet diaries and i have video um uh and of course with um audio um histories of people describing their recipes so that we can see them and we can see them do a little bit of it i've been doing that for the last two years i'm ready to put some of them on now and these are people, and some of them, for instance, from the time I've taped them to, to now, have, have passed away. So it's wonderful that I have this, have some of these records of amazing, amazing stories and amazing, uh, you know, of, of, it's what's so funny. A lot of people were surprised that other people would be interested in these little tidbits about cooking because yeah. it's something for them. They didn't. They thought maybe just their family or whatever, and to realize that there are a lot of people that um, want to hear and want to see. That's right. I mean, we have uh, so many cooking shows on television now that, of course, people, and and getting recipes. I mean, how often... guilty as as charged myself too you know you go to think well what is that let me see i know there's some recipe for well i'll just go online click 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 you know and then right. and you pick some recipe out of you know you go to a reputable site and pick some recipe out of out of thin air uh, for a dish right. and and yet there is such a rich history that i think um it really deserves being preserved and um not that and, know, not that the cooking shows aren't terrific you know but exactly but that's where my um my um, test kitchen background is really important to me because you know it's amazing and it's wonderful how many recipes are available online but what's also important is you know to look at the difference of a tested recipe and that and a recipe that's been well written right and uh, those things you can find, you know, you can go on and look for a um, a recipe for, um, uh, let's say, deviled crab, which is something I'm working on this week of my grandmother's dish. And you can go on and find a lot of deviled crab recipes. But you know, that's an ex- those are expensive ingredients, and a lot of times people uh, they're written very differently. Recipes that are uh, in in the past before we had all of these online um, recipes that came from magazines and books and newspapers, there's a style sheet. And so you, if you had a trusted source for a recipe, you might not have noticed it, but it all came in the same style. It always said, you know, one uh, rib, celery, chopped. And it didn't say a piece, a stalk, a this or that. It's all, there was a style, just right. like a writing style that went with it. Right. And, so you were, and that's why when you find a website that you like very much, or something on Pinterest or whatever, someone that you can begin to trust. Uh, hopefully, Skillet Diaries and Black American. <laughs> but that's why when you find that, you know to go back there because there is the same style. And it, and I encourage people. Um, I'm going to be at a conference um, in Philadelphia in June, and I'm incur- uh, talking about writing recipes for um, for websites and whatever. And I encourage people to 
develop a style sheet so that their readers can really grow to trust that and to test those recipes. That's right. You know, Judith Jones, who is the um, wonderful editor mm-hmm. and who brought Julia yeah. Child to all of us, right. she, um, she, ha- she really does have a thing about the recipe style and and the writing and so many of these new recipes so many publishers just want to cut to the chase you know and have the quick ingredients and and the dish she said but those head notes are so important it's true it's almost like writing in the margin of old cookbooks where you when you say opening cookbooks and you can see someone said well i increased the salt you know to another half a teaspoon or i did this or i did that i cooked it a little longer a little higher those notes are so important and and the exactly. head notes of a recipe are so important. Tell us what it looks like. If it's if the eggs look curdled, that's okay. That's how they're supposed to look. Keep on mixing; right. it'll come together. You know. And we're losing oh, and that's that. What's been so exciting for me too is taking photographs of food. I really was not a photographer before um, doing these websites. I, I've taken the last two years to really learn the whole digital thing, and I've really immersed myself. Good in, for you. In everything digital, I'm having the best. I feels like I'm. You know, I feel like uh, I used to feel in the very early days of food journalism. I'm just so excited about it, all of it and what's available and things that, that change. And, and yet, I tell people I'm a bridge because I also know that things are going, you know, some things are not going to be here that we're counting on right, right now. Right. Some things are going to evolve and change dramatically. But along with that, I've been uh, really working on the food photography end of it because I do want to communicate. And some I've worked with such great food photographers in my career and, 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 des- and designers food de- that, and stylists that I really understand the importance of it. And I'm, I, sometimes it's more important than the recipe and I, or the written word, the yeah. written description. And that's a hard thing for a writer to say, but it, I really come to understand that. So to put them both together is, a, is really good. I think, and I think that is one thing that we are gaining from uh, this new digital media service and in right. the Internet. Uh, there are some fabulous websites out there that show, st- and some of them are just blogs that people decide they right. want to do and, and make fo- and put photos on, and they show us each step along the way of their recipe. Right. And that does so much, I think, for a young cook learning how to make a dish, to see each step along the way, well, what do you mean you... You know, you kneaded it by hand, you know, or that you that you muddled it in a in a mortar and pestle. You know, what you know, this this shows them exactly what the written word means and and how to do it if they don't have a live teacher standing there or a grandmother or or a mother teaching them what to do. And or at least the finished dish, if they don't have the time to go through. I found myself getting rushing through sometimes and saying, well, "Okay, I don't want to see the steps. I want to see the whole thing with the picture." Yeah. You know, so at least to have something though that's, that to have that visual element along with the direction. What is it supposed so, to look like? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. So I think that My we niece, can. I think we can have this on the internet. I think that, as you said, to take the time, find a website that you trust, Skillet Diaries, right. and um, and. <laughs> I think we can have this if people take the time to write their thoughts and, and, and write notes about recipes. But by all means, to, to find the time to interview relatives and friends right. and people you trust and get these recipes written down. And, you know, I even say that um, 
for instance, just videotaping um, someone the next time you're, you're going to be at your aunt's house or your grandmother's house or your sister's house or anyone who has a recipe that you really love, ask permission to videotape that. To, to, and, and just to have that, it's going to be another resource to go to when you're trying to put that together. That's right. You know, it's, it's, and, and it's a, um, you can look and see. You might not be able to. It's not the same as going behind because I have actually gone behind so many times and to measure when they say this and it. People get a little frustrated, but they'll, they'll be patient if they know how sincere you are about wanting to learn their recipe. But at least if you can, can have a video of it, then that works. That's right. So save those old cookbooks and yep. make sure you write down the memories. And Donna, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And I encourage people to check out your website, blackamericacooks.com and skilletdiaries.com. Right. And then on Pinterest, it's Skillet Diaries on Pinterest. It is Skillet Diaries on Pinterest as well. Okay. Right. Well, terrific. And thank you so much. And Thank you so much. And I just encourage everybody to save those old recipes and save those old cookbooks. You're preserving the past. This has been A Taste of the Past on HeritageRadioNetwork.com, and I'm Linda Palaccio. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on HeritageRadioNetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.